out on a chilly for Southern California, meaning it's below 70 evening, early evening, late afternoon, and hoping this recording will work. Sometimes the wind gets too strong and it destroys the quality, can't hear anything. And something happened today that brought up a really great topic for me about um, what is spiritual. Someone said to me, that didn't feel very spiritual to me. It didn't feel to me like you were coming from a spiritual place. And that brings up the question, what are your preconceived notions of spirituality? In Taoism, which is my preferred path, my main path, Taoism means literally the way. It literally means that when you start to become awakened, everything is your teacher. Everything is validation. Everything is a lesson. Because you choose to have it be that way. It's different than the new age. Everything is happening the way it's supposed to and everything is meant to be, which are to me superficial, avoid the work platitudes that people use to avoid going deeper. Life teaches us. So breaking a leg, getting punched in the face, falling in love, being what you think might be called betrayed, they're all spiritual. Not because the person is, the or the people involved are, quote, acting spiritual, not because it feels spiritual, simply because you've decided it is spiritual. And it actually is because you decided to come here when you were a soul, you decided to incarnate, and you came here to have fun and to learn. And the only way we learn is by deciding we want to learn. In other words, well, as I was a, when I was a professor, I could say 60% of my classes, each class, did not want to learn. And nothing I was going to do was going to make them learn. They could pass the class. They could learn enough to pass the class, but they didn't really learn. Why? They didn't want to. 40% learned, 10% grew, like really something happened. And I can't take credit for any of it because I can't make anybody learn. As I keep telling people, I'm a gym. And if you use what I have to offer, the work is on you. You did it. Choosing to get offended by someone talking to you in a tone that you feel is not spiritual, or you've decided they are coming from their ego, they're coming from their fear, they're my response is, really, you have all this analysis of the other person? Why? <laughs> Don't you have enough on your own plate to not want to analyze the other person? 
but instead to keep the focus on what did I just learn? And when I'm learning, I don't care if I'm right. I'm right for me right now. And behind that, I'm always going to have the question of so far and what else? In other words, I've decided someone is mean to me. Someone is actually, uh, they've been too rough to someone I know, or they've shamed me. Of course, my position on shaming is you cannot be shamed unless you already are ashamed. And someone just triggers that. If you're not already ashamed, you cannot be shamed. <laughs> you just can't be. You're okay with things. So anyway, something happens. And now I have a big analysis of what this person did. Well, what good does that do? <laughs> I'll tell you what good it does. It gets you off your feelings. It gets you off your own work. It gets you off the uncomfortability of not quite being sure what happened, why it's happening, what you're supposed to get out of it, what you could get out of it. The not yet part for me is, or this is what I have so far, rather, not not yet, but this is what I have so far, and we'll see, is maybe this is my wounded self reacting. Maybe it's not. Maybe this person is a predator. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're triggering something in me that I don't yet know about. But I'm more curious about all of that inside of me than having this brilliant analysis of what's wrong with the other person. Especially if you've taken on someone as a teacher or a mentor. The only thing I look at deeply for a mentor or a teacher is if they're out of integrity. In other words, are they secretly a cocaine addict? Are they secretly having sex with their students? Are they hustling money? Or if they just don't feel right to me, leave. But other than that, I am not interested in the personal life of my teacher. Other than what I'm shown, and then I take that again as a lesson. Why have I been shown that my teacher has a temper? Is it really a temper? Huh. Why do I think it's a temper? And immediately I'm back on looking at me and my perception of why I'm interpreting this as a temper and how come I got to see this part of my teacher, etc. I don't know where this comes from, this obsession with... I want to discuss my teacher, my mentor, sometimes even my therapist, um, in great detail and have a big critique about it. Who cares? <laughs> Unless you're going to write like a, you know, a tell-all book or something and uh, you're gathering data for that. The other side of that is... When someone is not controversial, you go to a therapist and they, all my friends that became therapists in the 90s, ugh, they became therapists and here's how they started talking to me. Oh, I understand. That must have been hard. They never used to talk like that and they never stopped talking like that once they become a shrink. Yuck. 
And I find that when people go for help to someone who says and does everything that a person wants to receive and stays on the non-controversial line of healing, meaning I'm going to support you and be with you as a fellow traveler and I don't really have the answers. You have the answers inside of you, etc. Well, there's never going to be controversy. You're never going to ask questions about those people. And very often, those people with that kind of non-confrontational, non-controversial presentation are hiding a lot of secrets, sexual dysfunction, overeating, addiction, alcoholism, And you never think to question them. You know why? Because they never bother you. So it's just a weird paradox that the people that challenge you to grow, that don't want to spend 10 to 30 years with you in psychotherapy, feeling how you feel and letting you figure out what to do with those feelings. The people who challenge you, very often people will spend a lot of time and energy analyzing those people, attacking them, criticizing them, gossiping about them, and making a lot of decisions based on their critique of this person making me feel bad. No one can make you feel bad. You already feel bad. Just someone kind of hit that muscle like a masseuse hitting a sore muscle. To me, and in Taoism, from my understanding of Taoism and I am by no means an expert. Everything is the way. Pain and shame, glory and joy, it's all weather. This prejudice that we have in this current age that anything we don't like is called getting emotional and everything we like is called happy, good, spiritual, kind, wonderful, etc. And it just shuts down half the learning. And if you shut down half the learning, you shut down all the learning. You can't learn by halfway measures. Another part of this is if something doesn't feel spiritual or you don't like it, and first of all, I'd say, why don't you leave then? Just leave. (laughs) You have a right to do that. But if you actually have a little tiny question in your brain, like maybe it is spiritual, even though it doesn't feel like it. Maybe I'm going through something. Why don't people ask questions? No, they shut up and comply or kowtow or wait and see. Why? Especially if you're working with someone, they are there for you to work through things. And very often, well, as my own teacher said, when you're stirred up, my job is to settle you down. And when you're settled, my job is to stir you up. So teachers keep things moving. They do what is ever necessary at the time to keep things moving. That's slightly different than just pure healing, which very often is, you know, let's make it all better. Nothing wrong with that. But there is a difference, so make a choice. But if you feel your teacher is being um, dysfunctional and 
you also have a lot of opinion to that other things they did. Oh, you know, I, you did this and I think it was really bad and you did this and I think this was really bad. Why would you continue to study with them without addressing those questions at some point? Even in a session such as, I'm having a hard time studying with you because I have all these stories in my head about you. And I think I need to clear this up before I can start to trust a little bit more. Because what you'll learn then is about your stories and why you make them up. And that maybe you're studying with the wrong person because you have all these stories about this person and you'd rather believe the stories than ask some questions and learn something about yourself. To me, spirituality, Taoism, is just so real. It's such a relief. It's Not only is it real, it, things are accepted. Oh, this person has a temper. Maybe it really isn't a temper. Maybe it's something else. And you know what? It's fine. It's not mean. It's not malicious. Or it looks mean and malicious, but it doesn't feel that way. Hmm. I'm going to sit with it for a while and see what's going on. Learning, true learning, is never just softness. It's kind of like a workout. You work out, and in the middle of the workout or the beginning, you're like, <laughs> this doesn't feel good. And maybe, maybe even after the workout, it doesn't feel good. But the next day it does. A week later it does. You start like liking your body. You can do things. And maybe the workout gets really enjoyable at some point. Maybe there are other times it doesn't. But it's real, and it has real benefits. But the process itself is not lovey-dovey and positive and great and validating every second of the time. It isn't. That's something else. That's Prozac and lobotomy and self-medicating with distractions and festivals and parties and drinking. And, and I'm not meaning to lump all those things together. And festivals and parties don't have to be distractions. They can be true heart gatherings, but very often they're not. Spirituality is the freedom to be you, to just be you. Which means sometimes you're a mess and sometimes you're not a mess. And we're all just, as Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. And sometimes we meet somebody who just has bowls of wisdom, trunkfuls of wisdom. I know I've had teachers long part of my life, even before spirituality. I just always hung out with elders and they weren't perfect. I didn't care. They were perfect enough for me and I didn't spend a lot of time analyzing them and their faults and their psychology, etc., etc., etc. I was greedy I wanted to learn from them. And I knew that they wanted to teach me and they loved me. And at any time it hurt or I felt rejected or insecure and all the other things I would go through when I was much younger, still go through that, but in a very different way now, not very often. 
I knew they were coming from love. They loved me enough to go through the tough learning. That's completely different than being with someone who loves to help you because you beam at them and you hug them and you tell them how amazing they are. And, you know, it's a love fest. Well, I'm not, to me, if you're a good call girl or a good escort, male or female, you can get that same feedback. And it's a little more honest. There's nothing wrong with that kind of feedback, by the way. But there's a lot of folks, therapists, religious people, and spiritual people. They attract a lot of wounded folks who become leaders in these fields rather than do their own work. My mother was a prime example. And she was a brilliant therapist. Brilliant. But man, she had these giant holes in her own development and her role as a mother severely lacking. And she self-medicated by being a therapist. And yeah, she did a lot of good, but she also paid for it in her personal life. I mean, all of us kids, we ended up making a decision to when we leave home, to move as far away from her as possible, just to get free. Not that she was so mean or anything, but she was just so overwhelming and boundaryless and invasive. So we would just go far away. At a very young age, we all left home. Sad, so sad, and yet helped so many other people. So coming back to spirituality and the path. To me, someone really loves you if they're willing to work stuff out. You know the expression, fair weather friend, right? Fair weather spiritual teachers, fair weather spiritual students. When it feels good, you stick around. And when it doesn't, I'm going to lash out at you. Maybe even try to destroy you. That I see from the New Age. And I have some friends that were Christian pastor, pastors and stuff. Uh, I don't know what the other roles were, ministers. And they told me the same thing, that when their life got a little tough, the entire church t- turned against them. Uh, and they were horrified. It was beyond their imagination that... In the church, in the story of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, that people seem to only love you or be with you or approve of you when it feels good to them and when there's really no work involved, just a lot of gratification. How do you tell then if someone you're working with, they feel abusive, or you've decided, as has happened at Life Path Healings a few times, that um, the teacher is being abusive to someone else. And mind you, these people know nothing of what really happened, nothing of the backstory, listening to gossip, meaning listening to everybody else's interpretation not going to the source once ever to find out what happened. Oh, and making it all their business when it isn't their business, and therefore deciding the teacher is abusive. 
Now, what do you do in those situations? It's a good question because when you're wounded, it's hard to figure out, is something abusive or is it just scaring the crap out of you and therefore it feels abusive? It's rocking your carefully constructed survivor boat, meaning in order to survive my trauma, I have surrounded myself with feel good and positive and whatever else you needed for coping mechanisms that were valuable and work for you. And maybe you haven't outgrown them yet. So here you meet someone who is forces you, it feels like, to be, as they say, brutally honest. First of all, if you think someone is brutally honest, time to leave. Brutal implies an intention of malice, an intention of pain. If it's brutal because it's hard for you and challenging for you, that's not brutal. (laughs) That's just you being challenged and struggling. But if you think it's brutal, get out now. I always find that description offensive. Brutal. You shouldn't be with me then. But let's say, okay, you're not sure if it's brutally honest, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel spiritual. And you want to deliver a long lecture to your teacher about what's wrong with them and how they should have said it and how it should have been handled and what would have been a better way and a right way. (laughs) Time to leave. Take a break. If you think you're there to teach your teacher, who's not asked you to teach them, just like a teacher as a professor or doing spiritual work, I don't run around teaching everybody I meet. They don't care. (laughs) The only people I teach are my students. Why? That's why they come to me. And then I am not their friend. I'm not their social buddy. I'm not their chit-chat person. I'm a teacher. That's really different. But when I'm out and about or with family or with friends, it's a whole different world. My own teacher has his playtime activities that Westerners find disturbing. I mean, he's spiritual. He, in his free time, he should be eating tofu and sitting under a tree and talking to the birds. No, he does human things that he likes to do. He has a family. He goes diving. He has children, etc. Well, if you're not sure, leave. But one red flag to look out for. If you're spending a great deal of time on your analysis, insight, and critique of your teacher or your healer, you're going down the wrong path. You are on a ginormous ego trip of, well, I know better than this person. And and usually it's someone that, you know, you admire and you wish you could do what they do. And they have these incredible talents and you want to be like them. Therefore, if I can critique them and see what's wrong with them, that gives me some status because, you know, I'm so amazing that I can see what's wrong, what's missing with this person. Because you notice that ineffectual teachers or healers don't get critiqued, don't get attacked, don't get anything because they're blasé. 
When you're effective, you attract attention. When you're effective, it stirs things up. So if you are leaving and you are filled with all these stories of what's wrong with your teacher, you have entirely missed the point. Leave your teacher and look at what's up for me. Is it truly not in my best self-interest and self-care to be around this energy right now? That's not saying the energy is good or bad. It's just saying right now it doesn't feel right for me. Good, then leave and do what feels right to you. But if you are obsessed with your story and, and you have to talk to some other people about what this one did and what that one did and you're not doing it to learn about you, you're doing it to deflect and distract yourself by overanalyzing someone else's stuff and you don't even know all the details, you're doing yourself a great disservice. And I guarantee you that your next person that you work with or group, the same lesson is going to come back bigger and stronger because this class that you just took, you went off course. You took the wrong class. You took the class called, let me tell you everything that's wrong with this person who I went to as a teacher versus taking the class of, let me focus on everything I learned studying with this teacher, even though I don't want to study with them anymore. The ecstasy of free-flowing energy that comes living authentically and being able to surf the energy waves of life, all of them, without picking and choosing, without judging and critiquing. This is good. This is bad. Happy is good. Upset is bad. There is no ecstasy greater than this, and I can say for the people who have been around for a couple of years, whose lives have changed, there is no describing how it happened, and there's no describing the quality of what has happened with them. And even though we discussed this in the beginning, we can't really describe this kind of work. It's kind of like asking someone to describe a lovemaking session. First of all, every session is different. Second of all, words just don't do it justice. That's why I always look at erotica and uh, wonder how, how that works. But I guess how it works is people read it and then fill in the details with their memories or their imagination. But the words themselves don't touch the energy. And I always refer back to sexuality because that's energy-based. The difference between a lousy sexual encounter and a cosmic one is simply energy. And simply <laughs> is not simple at all. To me, it is worth braving the weather to live this ecstatic life. It's like saying it's worth going camping to wake up in Yosemite. But going camping, you have to pack, then you have some bad weather, or then it snows, or the tent breaks, and at the time you're like, ah, but afterwards you're like, and it was great. 
and then we saw this bear, and then this happened, and it's fantastic, and it's a great story. That, to me, is the warrior path of spirituality, that we keep the focus on what we're learning. We suspend our judgment on good and bad. We turn it instead into choice. I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to study with this teacher. I don't want to have this discussion. I don't want to feel sad right now. Okay, don't. Now you're choosing. That's different than a kind of self-righteous approach of this is bad, this is good, this is spiritual, this isn't spiritual. Who knows? When you are awakened, when you are able to live from an authentic self, everything is so fluid. You can't hardly talk about it. It's like trying to talk about each wave that comes in while you're watching the ocean. They're all the same and they're all not the same. And by the time you finish talking about one, ten others have come and gone. But if you can just sit and be the ocean, so you, it's you in the ocean, you feeling the ocean, and if you're very, very lucky, you become the ocean. And then you're also able to come back and be you that is the ocean and also you. That's the only best way I can describe it. But you don't go, well, that wave shamed me. And that wave wasn't very spiritual. I mean, it just came crashing down. And then it like, like foamed all over me and it pushed me around. <laughs> you shift from that perspective. Come on, Pia. You shift from that perspective, that kind of human go-to analysis to it's all the ocean. And right now I feel like sitting with it. And right now I feel like going and having lunch. And right now I love the rough water. And right now I can't stand the rough water. And now it all becomes about choice instead of being right or wrong or better than or less than or blame. You shamed me. You did this to me. You did that to me. All right. that You may start there, but see how quickly you can shift it into Wait a second, what am I learning? And then from there, make a choice. You don't have to defend your choice. I'm doing it because they're bad people. I'm doing it because it's, they're not spiritual enough for me. Why not just say I'm just doing it? I'm not right, really sure why, but it feels right to me right now. And, and then I'll see how it goes. I don't mean to make light of this. It's a really tough stage of development to be in and it's the beginner's mind stage it takes about a year or two to get through this I don't care how developed you are it takes about a year or two to get through this how developed you think you are let's put it that way I've been there myself so please don't think that I am superior to everyone else and have never been there I've been there and it was such a confusing time in the beginning and it's so amazing to go back and remember how that was kind of like learning to swim versus swimming and going back and remembering those first days of swimming like wow what changed the ocean no me yeah anyway i hope this helps
Stay safe. Follow your choices. If it doesn't feel good, back off. Look at your choices. Don't analyze the other person. Just look at you. See if that's a choice you want to stick with or if you want to change. Remember, unless you, like, kill somebody, you can always make a different choice and see what happens. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings.